I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Align Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Alexander, and today I had the privilege of speaking to world-class fitness trainer of the stars of Hollywood, Mr. Vinny Tortrich. Vinny is a hoot to chat with, and I had such a great time. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Vinny is a writer, he is a fitness coach, he is notoriously known as world's angriest trainer, and he is such a good time to bring on the show. During this show, we talked about his journey through recovering and beating cancer. We got into what in the world is ketosis and so much more. We also got to figure out what he's so darn angry about, which when you when we talk to him, you find out that he's actually quite a swell fella to chat with. And I always tell him it probably won't work. Most things in life will not work, but it's that one time that it will work. They were shooting so much chemo in me and my cancer was so severe, you know, 80% of my bone marrow was leukemia at that point. The running industry to lose weight kept them perfectly fat by saying, hey, you must now take in goo and Gatorade and power bars. And once again, I thank you in advance for your shares and your comments on iTunes. They determine the visibility and the ranking of the show, and I am so grateful for you helping us out with that. And be sure to jump onto the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can get notes from the show. You can get more information about the guests. You can get more information about the topics that we chatted about. And you can get into the hundreds of videos that I've created completely free on self-care, on functional movement, on how to get the most out of your body. I have the blog that I pour my heart and soul into. You learn fun tricks like how to get instantly stronger, how to make kimchi and so much more than that. And as well, I offer online coaching on how to get strong, be pain-free, and move phenomenally for the rest of your life. While you're on there, take a look at the self-care kit, which is essentially like a physical therapist and a massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. It fits underneath your car seat and will keep you moving functionally for the rest of your life. Once again, you can check out all this information on aligntherapy.com. Now, back to the show with Mr. Tortrich. Align podcast. So, Vinny, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a whole slew of questions for you. I want to get started just with what's your background and kind of what, what brought you to the point that you're at? And then one of the things I'm curious about is why are you so darn angry, man? Well, let's get the angry thing out of the way first. Okay. Uh, you're a listener of my show, right? Do I yes, seem sir. angry? No, not at all. You're very, you seem quite, quite jovial. Yeah, I'm a nice guy. And, you know, every now and then, like if someone brings up the biggest loser or something, I get angry because I, I get angry because people's good intentions have been stolen. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and says, hey, you know what? I like weighing 450 pounds. That's that, I feel great. Every time I bend over to try to tie my shoes, by the way, I haven't seen my shoes in quite a while, but every time I try to tie my shoes, I feel like I'm going to pass out. And you know what? This type 2 diabetes really feels good on me. I love feel. No one ever wakes up in the morning and, and says that. You know, everyone wants to be healthy. Everyone wants to live 
a long and complete life, you know, unless we get hit by a bus or something. And by the way, does anyone ever really get hit by a bus? Yeah, that that. Oh, you could get hit by a bus. How did that come? You can also get, you know, stung by a wasp and have an allergic reaction. You could die that way. But that never seems to happen. You know, people go, well, you could die from a, you know, a pencil getting jammed up your ass. You know, we never go to that. It's always a bus. You know, we go right to bus. But I went off a little bit. The, okay. the fact of the matter is people's good intentions get stolen. And, you know, they try to do the right thing. People tell me all the time, man, I weigh 250 pounds. And, I, you know, I said, you know what? I'm going to take some time and I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to get in shape. And in your mind, when you say that, you know, people think they're going to end up looking like you, Aaron, you know, just a studly looking guy. Why, thank you. Yeah, but that is not what happens. You know, they, they'll get to the marathon. And they'll go, you know what? I just ran 26 miles. I was running 65 or 70 miles a week. Yet I'm still fat. You know, they're, they're in great aerobic shape, but they're still fat. And why is that? Because the same industry that they went to, the running industry to lose weight, kept them perfectly fat by saying, hey, you must now take in goo and Gatorade and power bars and other candy bars, you know, masquerading as healthy, right. you know, which is a problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's something that I see all the time when you look I think a rule that I kind of play with is like if it says energy on the bar, if it says, you know, healthy, if it's if it has an adjective like, you know, whatever this it has, it, it, this will, will get you to the top of the mountain. Usually beware of that stuff, you know, because it's it's a it's a marketing gimmick. Oftentimes, you know, you the stuff that's really going to get you to the top of the mountain is comes out of the ground. You know, it's, yeah. when you, if you if you take the time and actually take a look at like what's in, I don't want to say power bar, but I haven't looked at a power bar for a while. But if you look what's in there, if there's 67 ingredients in there, you got to ask yourself, like, does my body recognize all that information? You know, the, the stuff that your body really loves is the stuff that you get into. And I'm curious to, to chat a little bit about like, what is the, the NSNG all about? You, you, before I get into that, you just reminded me of a U2 song. And I'm not generally a big U2 fan. But, you know, you said if you want to, you know, get to the top of the mountain, you have to go to the ground. You know, they have that famous phrase in their song. If you want to touch the sky, you have to learn how to kneel. Right. You know, and, and th there's so much truth in that. Um, but let's talk about before we get to NSNG and this guides into NSNG. Let's talk about that power bar, so to speak. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> even though a power bar might have 10 ingredients in it, the main ingredients, as you said, if it says energy, they're talking energy from a source, and that source is going to always be sugar. Um, the, the one that always gets me is all natural. Right. You know, all natural. natural. Yeah. Well, what is all natural? Sugar is all natural. Right. Right. So is cocaine. Right. Y you know, it's like cocaine is not good for you, yet it's all natural. You know, it comes from a coca leaf. Oh, geez, that can't be bad. It comes from a plant. Right. You know, vegetarians and vegans can have it. You know, so just because it's all natural doesn't mean it's good for you. And that's how I came up with NSNG. And it was the cornerstone of my, my book, Fitness Confidential. Um, NSNG means no sugars, no grains. Now, people will go, wait a minute. I can never have pasta? No, I didn't say that. But if you stay away from pasta, there's a good chance you will start to lose weight. When you start cutting down on all of these grains, all of the things that made you fat, you can start to lose weight. 
And basically all of those foods happen to be white, right. sugar, pasta, rice, or quinoa is somewhat brown. But anything that is a grain is going to cause inflammation in your system, is going to cause you to release too much uh, cortisol and leptin and ghrelin and insulin and all of the hormones that will then conspire to make you fat. Right. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, one of the, th- what, so I'm just curious, what is like a, what is a, your daily diet look like and how did you come to where you're at today with that? Did you come from a background where you were macking down hoagies all day and pasta or like what's, what's your background with food? No. No, no. And and as a matter of fact, that puts me at a disadvantage because we live in a world where if you did the wrong thing for a long time and then do the right thing. So in other words, uh, someone who weighed 400 pounds and now weighs 175, they seem to have more credibility than a guy who did it his whole life. Right. You know, so we live in that world of, hey, I'm on Weight Watchers. I used to weigh 300 pounds. Now, remember Jared from... uh, what was it? Was it Subway you're thinking about? Yeah, Subway. Yeah, yeah Jared's yeah. like, hey, I used to wear these pants, and he would hold up something that looks like a tent. Right. Absolutely. But look at me now. I can fit three of me in those pants, and we go, yay, Jared, you're great. Let's go eat a Subway sandwich, and we can look like Jared. It's I mean, we always seem to send the wrong message. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> so with me, all the way back in college, I went to a school that's well-known for medicine. I went to Tulane University. And I was there to get a physical education degree, which I was the only person who had to get that. So I was in class with all of the med students and with all the pre-med students. And, uh, you know, I, I had to take gross anatomy and all the biologies and everything along with them. And I started questioning it back then because the professors would say things like, our body's preferred fuel is fat. You know, that we need fat to live, you know, and they would talk about that. We're talking 1981. And then they would quickly brush over that whenever we would get to a class and uh, the class, you know, let's say it was like exercise physiology, right? And in exercise physiology, the professor would say, uh, in order to be able to do anaerobic or aerobic activity, your body body needs, you know, glycogen. And we get that from glucose. And, you know, this is all sugar. So you need a lot of this coursing through your veins and, and readily in your muscles to be able to do you know, anaerobic movements and aerobic movements. And, and a, a very young Vinny would raise his hand and, and go, wait a minute, I just had a professor one classroom over yesterday tell me that my body's preferred fuel source is fat. Now you're telling me that in order to get any performance out of my body, I need sugar. And he would go, that's right. And I would say, what's right, fat or sugar? Well, sugar. Well, no, the other guy said fat. Well, he's correct too. So which is it, fat or sugar? Which one do I need? Which macronutrient do I need? And they would always look at me as the rabble rouser. It's like, oh, he's just being, you know, cantankerous. But I wasn't being cantankerous. I was being taught one thing in one class and then taught something exactly the opposite in the other class So I came to realize, okay, my body wants to run on fat unless I'm actually running. Then my body wants to run on sugar. So just like everybody else coming out of that era, I kept saying, hey, in order to do uh, a triathlon or a a marathon or uh, ride a bicycle, you must, quote unquote, carb up. 
Am I making sense here? You're making 100% sense, yeah. So that's, that's the school of thought I came from. But when I moved to Hollywood 25 years ago, I started working with actors and actresses to make them thin. You know, there was a handful of us um, at the beginning of the whole trainer craze who would get hired by the studios to keep their stars in shape. You know, so in other words, if, if a guy had to gain weight for a movie, you know, muscle or, you know, a starlet just had a baby and she had a red carpet. I was one of those guys and still am one of those guys that gets the phone call to get him in shape, right? Justin Bieber didn't get all jacked by himself. He hired, you know, someone like me. Right. Wasn't me, by the way. Right. Um, <clears throat> so when I got to Hollywood, the only way you could get these people to lose weight really fast is by um, taking them and putting them on something very close to a ketogenic, what we now know as a ketogenic diet putting them on fat, having them eat, you know, um, MCT oils, basically doing what bodybuilders do, except not try to put all the muscle on them, just get them thin. And that worked. So I had kind of a two pronged approach. If I was training someone to run a marathon, I would tell them to carb up. If I just wanted someone to be a size two or a size zero to walk the red carpet, wearing, you know, a Vera Wang outfit, I would say, let's go high fat to get this weight off of you as fast as we can. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, so I was talking to <clears throat> Keith Norris from the, he's a founder of Paleo FX, which I'm going out to next month. I'm really excited about. And one of the things he was uh, chatting about is auto-regulation with your exercise. You know, so not auto-regulation being a fancy word for being conscious or aware of what your body actually needs at the moment when you, when you enter the gym or when you wake up out of bed or whatever it is, because every day it's a different thing. You know, it's like, right. we have moon cycles for God's sake, you know, depending upon the day, depending upon the month, depending upon the season, <laughs> depending upon your activity level from the week, from the, you know, your previous days, it's going to change what your body needs for that moment. You know, one of the analogies that I brought up with him is like, you know, trying to clear your canvas, you know, look at your, your body as, as, as like a canvas, you know, and when it's a blank canvas, you can, if you add any splotch of color to that, you know it right away, you know, and so that's what I think that people need to do is they need to experiment with themselves, you know, get excited about this human experiment that we all have. And that's one of the main reasons that I've, I've started this podcast was to be able to kind of just start transmitting these messages that it's like, it's not paleo it's not fruitarian it's not vegan it's not only nsg you know it's like nsg is a, is a is a great option you know but i think it's you need to recognize what works the best for you at that moment and what works the best for your your dna your genetics you know where did you come from did you come from a tropical island somewhere where you're surrounded by fruit trees like likely your body might respond a little bit better i'm not saying that that's a fact i'm just saying that it makes sense to me you know and so i think that the best thing that people can do is do exactly what you're saying. You know, it's like if you're running a marathon, very, very likely your nutrition panel is going to look a little bit different than if you are sitting in an office all day, you know, and then well, that brings me to another curiosity I have for you is, you know, people are starting to get fascinated and get into this, this ketogenic diet, even with things like marathons, even with things like endurance activities. Is there any... Um, What's the transition into ketogenesis or ketogenic diet with that? Is it, is, it, is it always safe to just one day decide, you know what, I'm going to listen to this NSG thing. I'm just going to cut it all out and I'm going to move into this, you know, whatever. I'm going to go run this race. Is that a safe transition or how do, how do, you, how do you coach people in that? Well, let me be clear. <clears throat> I, I don't believe that anyone uh, other than people with uh, some sort of uh, genetic disorder, someone that might, might have... Um, 
uh, epilepsy or some sort of brain disorder, most people do not have to be on ketogenic diets. And NSNG is not ketogenic. As a matter of fact, um, we're way, you know, NSNG, no sugars, no grains, is way more liberal than even uh, paleo, you know, because paleo will tell you, I, I think you, you can't have dairy or you can't have this or you can't. We don't have any you can't on NSNG. Um, you can even have grains and sugar on NSNG. It's just you're cutting them way down. Right. Um, and we're, I, I don't prescribe, this is not a ketogenic diet. Um, but yes, people do, or you know, you, you're seeing athletes actually compete on ketogenic diets now where they're in dietary ketosis and they do a great job doing their sp sport. Um, uh, Dr. Finney and Volick are, are doing a lot of studies on this to see if people can actually perform better on, on total ketogenic diets versus you know, giving themselves a lot of um, uh, sugars. Now, what, what I do is I tell people you can be fat adapted without being ketogenic, meaning you could be close to ketosis, but not be in ketosis and still reap the benefits of burning your own fat and exercise. We've seen that over and over and over again. <clears throat> um, and in some cases, people will fall into ketosis because they're so close. That happens to me a lot. I don't try to be in ketosis because I eat a lot of veggies. You know, when you eat a lot of veggies, it's really hard to be in ketosis. But if I go out and run for three hours, that is going to obviously make me burn through any and all sugar. And I can end up in a light form of ketosis. You know, you can feel it. Could you break down for listeners what ketosis is for folks that may not know that quite yet? Yeah, uh, and don't please don't misconstrue uh, this. This is not ketoacidosis, which uh, you can get. Ketoacidosis you can die from. Um, and a lot of times when people hear dietary ketosis, they go, oh, no, that's not good. My, I had a friend who was anorexic and she had ketoacidosis. Uh, or I, I have a brother-in-law who was an alcoholic and he went into ketoacidosis. And I, I knew a friend in the hospital who died because they had we're not talking about that um dietary ketosis is when you're eating a, a high fat diet to where your body does not have enough sugar if you will to support itself your brain actually performs better on ketone bodies which can give you energy the same way sugar can so those ketone bodies uh your brain you know our bodies will always protect our brain so if you're not eating enough sugar, the body will take the fat you're eating and the fat that's on your body that is convert, converting into energy and release ketone bodies, which will then feed your brain and subsequently feed your muscles. Uh, the best uh, uh, example of it that's around today is um, a, a husband-wife team who rode across the Pacific from San Francisco to Hawaii. And uh, not only did they break the two-man record, they shattered the two-man record, and they did it eating high-fat diets. Mm. And they were in ketosis the whole time. And th the crazy part is, for the last five or six days of the trip, they were actually rowing 18 hours a day on ketones, mm. right? Not taking in any sugar. They didn't lose much muscle mass, if any at all. I think they actually gained muscle mass along the way. They got out of the boat after several weeks of rowing. They weren't sore. They weren't tired. They went out dancing that night. 
they looked fresh and brand new. And they did this on a ketogenic diet. Hmm. And this is something that Dr. Finney and Volek are studying. You know, this is a landmark thing. Now, these people didn't just survive that race. They won it. You know, they, they beat everyone. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Donald O'Neill has a new film coming out, Serial Killers 2. Did you see Serial Killers 1? I haven't seen that one, no. Dude, you got to see it. Serial Killers spells cereal like the cereal you eat, not, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, Serial yeah. Killers. Uh, Donald O'Neill, D-O-N. And E-L-L or A-L-L, um, Donald O'Neill, he's got Serial Killers 2 coming out, or maybe it's out now. I, I get advanced copies of that before they come on the show. So I watched Serial Killers 2, and it was just amazing uh, because he chronicles this husband-wife team. Uh, I wish I can remember what it was called. It was called something fat, fat rowing team, fat, something fat rowing. Um, you, we can look it up while we're doing this, actually. But um, they, they did that quite successfully. Um, I'm going to try to find their name while I'm talking to you here. Oh, I can, I can look it up. Your audience needs to see this and needs to know what this is. Um, this looks like them. Uh, earning the fat workout. Da, 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 da. Fat chance rowing is what they called it. And you can go check them out at, I'm trying to pull it up right now for your audience. Uh, you can find it at, I think, fatchancerowing.org. Is that where I am? Yeah, fatchancerowing.org. We'll include that and, in the show notes. It'll be easy that way. Yeah, and you can watch these people. They have videos and everything. It's a, you know, he's a triathlete. I think she's a triathlete. Two, I mean, you want to hate these people because they're like the best-looking people on the planet, <laughs> bar none. And uh, you really want to hate them. But they're, they're a wonderful husband-wife team. And uh, they did this, and it was just miraculous. Um, so, it, you know, can you do things in ketogenic diets just as well as you can on a sugar diet? Absolutely. But I just want to be very clear, that is not my aim and purpose in doing any and all of this. Yeah. And then you have a pretty interesting background. I don't know if you care to mention your background. One of the reasons, I don't know if that was the reason that you cut down on sugar, but in 2008, you had a run-in with, with cancer, as I understand. Yeah, in 2007, um, I was I, I was clean in 2008. Okay, uh, but that's kind of the birthday of oh my God, I get to live. Right, you know I, that's when I learned that. Yeah, um, I was pretty ravished at the end of it, and uh, <laughs> you know, cancer is. I always say cancer doesn't hurt. It's the chemo that really kills you. You know, it just beats the crap out of you, and. Um, that is the reason, that's when I started going really, really strict on not having hardly any sugars or any grains. And I try not to be, I try not to be that strict, but I take whole years. Like last year, uh, back in 2013, I went the whole year, absolutely no sugars and no grains. In 2014, I do what I call putting life into living. In other words, if I'm at a restaurant and they bring the best souffle you've ever seen to the table and everyone's having a bite of the souffle, I will also have a bite or two. Yeah. If someone's, you know, we were in Italy that year and of course the Italians are known for their gelato, there was no way I'm leaving Rome without having a little gelato. Right. But that's not an everyday thing, right? That's just when, when in Rome, do as the Romans and eat ice cream is what I say. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, w I did those things in 2013, uh, but this year I'm putting no life into living again because 
I, I have a firm belief, and I do a lot of reading on this, uh, and I've talked to enough oncologists now, and they all agree that cancer just loves sugar. It grows. It, it helps cancer oxidate and grow and repeat itself. I should have had to have gone in for, for chemo by now. My cancer is knocked into remission, but they said that it would start growing again. I have leukemia. Uh, I should have had to have gone in five years after remission to have a touch-up of chemo. I'm seven years out, and I have no cancer in my body. They, they can't even detect it. That's awesome. And I firmly think that's because I don't live in Italy and I don't have to eat ice cream every day. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not just cancer that's feeding off of sugar. You know, you also look at, you know, parasites or, you know, yeast infections. There's all these different things that you don't want living in your body, you know, and they crave this stuff. You know, and the, the place where I start to slightly differ, um, not necessarily from you, but just like the, the overall, there's a lot of folks out there that are pushing no sugar. I think for me personally, it's about choose your sugar wisely, you know, because if you just end up vilifying all sugar in the world, I mean, that's, that's going to be, that's going to knock out a really high percentage of our potential food intake, you know, but it's things like the, the processed sugar, things like the white sugar, things like, you know, anything that comes in candy form, like does, there's no, it's all poisonous, you know? And one of the things I was, um, I was curious about with you is like, did you look into any type of nutritional therapies like Gerson therapy or something like that when you got word of the cancer or what was, what was, what happened with that? Well, I, I will answer that, but let me, I want to carry on with what you were saying at the beginning of, of, this yeah um i i don't take sugar to the level of you know sugar that's found in fruit okay although i do keep my my personal fruit down to berries which are low glycemic index right. and apples and, and and that sort of thing yeah. you know just high fibrous fruit i i don't go to that level because there's so much other good phytonutrients in fruit that we need right that it's not worth it to try to cut that out right but when it came to my cancer, when I learned, um, we talk about this in, in my book, Fitness Confidential. Um, I was training, I'm, I'm an ultra cyclist and have been even since before ultras were cool. I started doing them in the early 90s. And I was training for a 500 mile nonstop race. So I was on the bike all the time when I got the phone call to learn that you know, literally my uh, friend who's an oncologist found out on a Saturday that my test came back. I had a bone marrow biopsy. And um, that's right. I was out riding a bike with a hole in my bone still, you know, you know, I was covering it up and my phone kept ringing and I finally answered it. And I was literally about 100 miles away from home on a bike. And Patty said, um, you know, I know you're on your bike. Get off your bike, take a cab and get to my house as soon as possible. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, just get here as soon as possible. So I rode the 70 miles back to my car and then the 30 miles to Patty's house. Um, and by the way, I knew I was sick because she started weeping on the phone. This is an oncologist who watches people die all the time. Wow. And she, you know, Patty started weeping on the phone and you know, I've never known this woman. You know, she's as stoic as a human being can be. Wow. And I quit training at that point. The ride I took back to my car, that 70-mile ride, I took my time. I wasn't looking at the speedometer. I wasn't looking at my heart rate. 
I was looking at the trees. I was looking at the land around me because I knew that my life was getting ready to change. I knew when I got to Patty's house. As a matter of fact, when I got back to my car, I walked into a Starbucks and bought a coffee to enjoy on my way to Patty's house because I knew that everything was about to change. You know, this woman's not crying for nothing. (laughs) You know, she's not stopping my bike ride for the hell of it. And when I got there, my best friend, Andy Schreiber, uh, was already there. She had called him in. Um, He's the guy who now runs my vitamin company, purevitaminclub.com. And I said to Andy, um, I said, if you're here, this ain't good. And he's kind of looking at his shoes and and all that kind of stuff. So I knew the news wasn't going to be good. And it was one of those versions you see in the movies where if I didn't get chemo right away, I was dying. I was, I was, I was gone. I had literally a couple of months to live. So there was no, you know, I didn't look at anything other than I said to Patty, what do we do? She says, we go to Dr. Miller. She's the best there is. They will start you on chemo. They literally between Saturday, when I got off of my bike and uh, by Monday, I had a pick line leading into my chest. And uh, by Wednesday of that week, that pick line was hooked to uh, chemicals and they were pumping me that quickly you know it was we got to get you in now wow that's and so how long was it before you were you were back to back to being you um i was able i wasn't clear of cancer but i was able uh, they were shooting so much chemo in me and my cancer was so severe you know 80 percent of my bone marrow was leukemia at that point and you know there was all this consideration of you know you know, doing, you know, bone marrow, you know, transplants and all this kind of stuff. And, but what they were trying to do was keep me healthy before then. Um, so they were shooting me full of something called Nupogen, which is the opposite of EPO, the stuff that athletes use to go faster. Nupogen builds up your white blood cells. So it was kind of like chemical warfare going on in my body. The Nupogen was keeping me from, you know, just getting an infection from breathing air and um, the, the chemo was killing the, uh, hopefully killing the uh, cancer. And so the, the Nupogen makes you feel like crap. It makes you feel like every bone in your body is breaking. And the chemo does what chemo does. Uh, so, you know, I was able to go back to work like after five months or something like that. I was out for a long time. Yeah. I just became like this skeleton of myself. And at some point, you don't know if you want to live or die or, you know, sure. you really start wondering that kind of thing. And uh, then uh, I started getting better. I, I was feeling better even before they told me I was in a clear. Yeah. You yeah. Know? One of the th- one of the things that I, I recognize in our society is you're looking around. It's like we tend to put ourselves into these safety nooks, these safety boxes, you know, and it's all about insurance and it's all about, you know, like get the nine to five job and, you know, get the benefits. And it's like, it's okay to essentially like sell your soul for security, you know? And what I was something that I I try to suggest to people is like, go out and you firstly find your freaking passion because if you're not doing your passion then i think you're you're really wasting your time you know because you're going to come to a point i think that's what a midlife crisis is you know you come to a point where it's like man i haven't been following my passion for the last 25 years i missed the best 25 years of my life now i don't know i'm gonna buy a you know lamborghini and wreck it or something you know i think the sooner that people can get into that 
you know, finding what you truly are passionate about. What do you love to do? And screw the rest. You know, it's like if you follow your passion long enough, eventually people are probably going to start paying you. You know, and it's one of the things that I end up doing quite a bit of is things that's, you know, not like overly dangerous, but things like rock climbing and kind of just getting outside and, you know, having that experience or surfing, being around, you know, powerful ocean, being around powerful mountains, being in places where it's like one step this way and it's all over. You know, I think that's one of the most powerful things that a person can experience in their life. And so many people, we've, we've put ourselves into these fear bubbles to the point that we're paralyzing ourselves. You know, it's like we fear the world so much that we die before we died. You know, and so when people go through situations like yours, I'm always, you know, super, super fascinated about it. You know, and I'm curious, like, how did that change your perception of yourself, of the world, of your time left on the world? Yeah, that, that's interesting that you bring that up because, um, you know, the only reason I don't rock climb anymore is because I have so much arthritis in my right shoulder from football that I can't lift my right arm up. I'm, I'm correcting that this year. Nice. Uh, and once I have my new shoulder, I will probably start doing some light rock climbing again and you know, all that kind of stuff. looks like you want to say something. I said, I'll, I'll come out to LA and climb with you, man. I, I'm probably now a five, six climber. I used to that's be a five, right. that's all right. a five eleven plus lead. Uh, I used to be able to follow five, 12, five, 13. Awesome. Um, but you know, love climbing. And, and I agree with that, you know, because climbing is a thing where when you're out there, you know, your next move is the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, when you're doing five, 10 plus climbing and you're leading that, you know, you got your life literally in your hands and in your feet. And if you if you mess up anything, you know, you're done. So nothing matters except what, what you're doing right there. And, uh, you know, I want to be uh, I, I want to die while I'm living. You know, I, I don't want to live while I'm dying. And, um, you know, I've always taken that approach because. I grew up in a small town on the bayou in Louisiana. And uh, literally, like, we're talking as tiny as you can get in Cajun country. And I went to a private school, a private Catholic school. And we had 90, we started with 96 people in the class between in, in first grade. And before we graduated, five of us died. And you know, it was tragedy, you know, like two of them got hit by, uh, you know, in a car accident. And, uh, one of them got hit on the bicycle. Uh, Charlie died, um, hunting accident. And uh, the final one was Louise when we were juniors. And I remember being in Bell Rose, Louisiana. It was pouring down rain and they were putting Louise in the hole. You know, uh, you know we we're at the funeral site and the, the casket is going down. And we're all standing there weeping and doing the whole thing. And I said to myself at that point, you know, I was probably 16 or 17 at the time. And I said, man, this can end at any moment. Yeah. This can all end. I want to make every single piece of my life as meaningful as I can, because I can be gone. And, and you and I can be gone right now. Yeah. This can happen right now. Louise died of an aneurysm. Right. You can have one right now. I can have one. And she was a healthy girl. We're healthy people. We can die. And I follow that from that day in Bell Rose, Louisiana, and I'm now 52 years old. I do exactly what I want to do when I want to do it, and I don't let anyone tell me any otherwise. And that's what I've enjoyed about my life. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's that is. I don't want to get too philosophical here, but I mean, you know, what the hell? It's like that is the magic of life. You know, if we were if we were infinitely, if we lived to be, you know, a thousand and fifty, that'd be too freaking long. <laughs> you know? yeah. We'd waste too much time. <laughs> oh, we would waste all of our time. Right. You know, so I was like, like, ah, I'm not going to die. I, yeah. I can spend time you, doing whatever I do. Right. You know, it's like playing yourself in chess. You know, it's like back and forth. It's like you, it's not a game. You know, if you know, if you know what the end result is before you get started, it's like, what's the point of this? You know, so that's the magic of it. You know, but that's the thing is. You have to embrace that, you know, and then being willing to embrace that, that's a practiced skill, you know, and yeah. that's the, that's the thing. It's just like anything, you know, if you wake up and you're a dickhead in the morning, you practicing being a dickhead in the morning, you know, for the yeah. last 15 years, you will, oh, I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, it's like, you're practicing right now, man. Yeah. You know, it's like life is too short to be a dick. You know, it's like, <laughs> in, I love that. In, embrace it you know it's like every step that you take you know starting off it's like you know you're climbing five six you know climbing five six that's that's how you know that's how you start or in this case you know it's like now i have this injury you know arthritis you know but it's like we all start out at five six you know and then five six is a climbing grade and then it goes seven eight nine up to up to like 15 it's pretty pretty ridiculous but um you know, we all start off climbing that, but it's that every time you go a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher, eventually it's not such a big deal. You know, and climbing is such a fantastic analogy because it's not it's not as death-defying as people really think it is. If you're soloing, it's super death-defying, obviously. You know, but really it's it's these increments. You know, every every new clip or every new piece of protection that you get to put in the wall, that's like a new milestone, you know, and that's metaphoric for life. You know, it's like yeah. if you fall down, you're not going to fall to the bottom because you have, you know, you plugged in 13 things a gear, you know, so you're going to fall to the last piece that you, that you set up. But that's the thing is we're too flipping scared to actually start going up and plugging gear in the first place, you know, and that's what we need to start embracing is really getting after that, like embrace every single moment, every single day, take chances because it's contagious. You know, and when you fall, you're going to fall to the last step that you are at. You're not going to fall to the beginning unless you, you know, you die, in which case that's the magic of it. But, you know, here's the thing, Aaron, you know, I talk to my nephews about this all the time. You know, they're all in their 20s and 30s. And it's a whole generation of we've really raised a generation of pussies because, (laughs) you know, they're all sitting around, you know, they're scared to do anything. Well, what if I fail? What if I do this and it doesn't work? And I always tell them, it probably won't work. Most things in life will not work. But it's that one time that it will work. It's like when you walk into a nightclub, there's probably one girl in there that will actually sleep with you. Your job (laughs) is to find said girl. And guess what? You're probably not going to walk up to her right away. You're going to get told no 12,000 times before that one girl goes, yeah, yeah, I'll sleep with you. So... And, you know, we all try to pretend that that's not what we're trying to do. Oh, no, I just want to meet a girl. No, you want, to, you, know, <laughs> you, you want to get laid is why you even showed up. But, you know, that, that's where we're in life. You know, they want to get laid. The, you know, they want to walk up to the first girl and go, okay, here's, you know, let's, you know. No, it doesn't work that way. Life just does not work that way. It, it's, it's just a lot of, you got to go. And people, you know, my, my podcast has been around for three years now. And we have uh, close to 400 shows out. And people say to me, how did you get popular on the internet? I said, because I keep doing it. Right. You know, well, yeah, but how did you get started? One day I did a podcast. That's how I got started. 
That's how we have NSNG. Right. That's how we have the book Fitness Confidential. It's how we have um, purevitaminclub.com. Right. It's how we have all of it. Sure. You know, vinnytorteries.com. It's how all of it happens. It's because every day I work it. It didn't happen. You know, there's an old Jewish proverb, uh, you know, too heavy for light work and too light for heavy work. And there's a lot of people in that category nowadays, you know. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, I have a college degree. I can't possibly work at Starbucks. Well, what, you're going to sit around in your mom's house? <laughs> you know, is that what you're doing? Because when I grew up, when you left at 18, you were gone. I've never gone back to my mom's house except to visit. Right. You know? And, and But no, kids today, they graduate college and they come right back home. Yeah. Well, you can't expect me to go spend my money on a rental apartment in some city in a rat infested apartments uh, apartment so that I can make it. I must come back home to luxury because that's what I'm used to. Yeah. Too heavy for light work, too light for heavy work. Right. It's a real problem. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's the thing is it's having it's having that that endurance to 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 succeed. You know, the people that and this is this is a tangent. I have a tendency of doing changes on the show. Um, we will go back to health and all that stuff soon. We don't uh, have to. You know, we could just go with the tangent. Right. I'm fine with that. I love this tangent. It's a great tangent. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, this just this morning, actually, I got a a message from somebody and they're like, oh, you know, I love your blog, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, what's I'm I'm starting to develop this. How do I get followers? How do I how do I, you know, build this thing? You know, and the the only advice that I could possibly have for that. And again, this is metaphoric for everything is, you know, make sure you're passionate about it a. And then just keep plugging away. You know, it sets your schedule every Tuesday, every Friday, whatever it is at 10 a.m., just do it. You know, and you're not going to see any results for six months, you know, or two months or one year or three years or whatever it is. You know, but eventually you have this body of work, you know, and that's the thing. It's like Seth Godin wrote this, this pretty fun book. It's really short called The Dip. And what The Dip is about is everybody, we go through this learning curve, right? So we start off, it's like exercise is a really obvious one because, you know, we're turning on our nervous system for the first time, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, cool, I do a lot. You know, I, I added 50 pounds to my deadlift. I'm amazing. Get ready for a dip, you know, get ready for the plateau because, you know, what ends up happening is you, you get these initial results. Cool. I did something. And then the people that actually with it, we hear about, you know, that it's the people that are the people that actually made it through that dip. And they were, they were passionate enough to keep on moving, you know, and that's like the, it's, it's such like basic nuts and bolts advice, but it's the best advice you could possibly have. Find your passion, keep on moving, you know, and that relates to dance. You start dancing, you're going to suck. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. You're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to be that sex machine at the club in two years. The only guy in the room that actually knows how to dance because he made it through the dip, right? Instruments are the same way. Instruments are just noise until you make it past that dip. And then it's brilliance. Yeah. So I do want to uh, get into your book as well. Unless you have anything else that's tangential, we could talk about dinosaurs. We could talk about colors. Whatever, whatever you want. Well, we, we could get into the book, but you know, I, I agree exactly with what you're saying. You know, uh, you know, I, I want. Can I tell a quick story about uh, this because I, I, I find stories, this absolutely no. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you know, people ask me to be on their podcast all the time, and I, I do every podcast. You can have two listeners. I will come on. Do you have two <laughs> listeners over there or not? How many people do you have? Uh, it's it's me and my mom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hi, mom. Hi. I'll try not to use any more profanity on your son's <laughs> podcast. But this guy a few months ago, 
uh, named Mike. Let's call him Mike because, well, that was actually his name. It's still his name. He's still alive. Nice. <clears throat> Mike asked me to come on his business podcast to talk about how I grew a podcast and how I grew a business out of nothing. Because I'm a guy who literally still, I do not know how to do any more than turn on a computer. I, you know, I just figured out I have a message. I will get everyone else to turn on my computer for me and I will stick to what I know. And I explained that on Mike's business podcast, like I explained it everywhere else. And Mike is explaining to people how to do business online and doing all this stuff. Well, Mike called me back and said, look, I had my highest numbers was when you were on, would you come back on? I went back on again. I pretty much told the same story. And then I hadn't heard from Mike for about a month. And then just the other night, I got a message from Mike and I noticed that me and about 45 other people got a message from Mike. And he was thanking everyone for doing his podcast, but he explained that he wouldn't be doing any more podcasts, mm. that he was completely done because he was homeless. You know, he, he was being kicked out of his apartment because he had no more money. And uh, he said, as a matter of fact, this email would be his last email because his services are already been canceled, but they, it hadn't been turned off yet. And this was the last email he was sending out. And I found that quite interesting that Mike decided to become a businessman and start a podcast and made himself homeless because podcasts will not make you money for a long time. <laughs> But Mike didn't have the business sense to go, you know what, maybe I should go down to McDonald's and get, you know, a job at night. When I'm not podcasting, maybe I should be sweeping up an office building or something, just some kind of menial task to bring enough money in <clears throat> so that he can support his dream of being a podcaster. Because between you and me, Mike was not a bad podcaster. Yeah. But, you know, it would take Mike as you know, a couple of years, it took me a long time before we saw dime number one. And by the way, we weren't even doing it to make money. We were doing it to make me popular because I had written a book and I didn't want to put the book out until I had some popularity. We had no idea this thing would turn into a, a moneymaker. Right. So, Mike, you had business all wrong. Too heavy for light work, too light for heavy work. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't go sweep an office building to make enough money to keep your apartment and your internet connection to keep your podcast going. You yeah. thought podcasting would save your life. Yeah, and that's um, John Lee Dumas uh, from, uh, what's it called, Entrepreneur on Fire, which you've been on there before, I believe, right? Twice. I'm one of the few people that's been on twice. Okay, cool. Yeah, he calls that side sidepreneur, which that was, I've, I invested, <clears throat> thank, thank you, John Lee Dumas out there, if you're listening, um, I've invested probably hundreds, maybe like darn near close to a thousand hours of listening to that show, you know, and one of the things, again, we're deep, deep in the rabbit hole here of, of tangentially speaking, but, you know, invest your time into the, into the effective people to achieve what you want to create in your reality. Right. You know, so you are the, the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. It's a Jim Rohn quote, I think is, is who said that. And, uh, I might be saying his name wrong anyways, but you know, you're the average of the five people you spend your time with, you know? So if you're not finding the folks out there that it's like, wow, you, if you notice like most of your friends aren't really quite where you would like to be, or you're, it's not, you're not around really any inspirational people start listening to podcasts. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, it's yeah. like you can you can pick and choose all the most brilliant people you want in the world, not because the most brilliant people have podcasts, but because the you know these people are bringing on the most brilliant people, and a lot of those folks are quite brilliant, right? You know, so just. Google search, Dr. Google, get on there and find the messages that you want to express in your own self, right? And if you put a thousand hours worth of entrepreneur on fire into your into your data board, right. you're going to have some entrepreneurial prowess under your belt versus hanging out at your mom's house and continuing to you know work the job at McDonald's. Again, working the job at McDonald's, as you're doing that, when you're at the John McDonald's dropping the fries in the fryer, get your freaking headphones in. If you don't have headphones in and you're listening to some podcast of somebody brilliant saying something about something great that you're into that's going to progress your career or your life or whatever, you're wasting your time. You know, we don't live to be 1,050. We live to be 110, you know, hopefully. Yeah. You know, so that was something, I, I mean, all right, we're going to go. Is, was there any folks in your life that were especially inspirational, any kind of links or resources? Like what, what inspired you to kind of have the message that you currently have other than obviously, you know, the life situations as you have, which have been pretty, pretty impressive, I'm sure. Well, I, I you know, I grew up in athletics. <clears throat> I, you know, I played football all the way through college and football, the same thing that's ruined my shoulder and keeps me in constant pain gave me a life. Yeah. Um, but there was a, a man when I was really young, there were, there were a couple of men, and they're both mentioned in Fitness Confidential, um, both named Joe, by the way. Uh, the first Joe was Joe Bonadonna, um, who Dean thought was a joke name when we were writing the book. But Joe taught me, you know, discipline and working out and all that. But there was another Joe, the guy made Converse tennis shoes what it is today, um, a guy named Joe Dean. He was the first guy to decide to hook an athlete to a shoe. And they came up with the original, he came up with the idea of the Dr. J trainer. And back then no one did that. So he would do, you know, Dr. J was hooked to a shoe at Converse and they ran that as a big ad. Now that's commonplace, but that was his genius. He also went on to, after he retired, very wealthy by the way, decided to turn LSU sports around and he did that through the 80s and 90s. That's why LSU is a football power it is today. That's all Joe Dean. He died last year. Um, uh, as soon as I learned he passed away, I hopped on the next flight. I, I didn't even flinch. Just hopped on the next flight and went down to Louisiana. And I was at his funeral uh, because this mean, man meant that much to me. And he would always say to me uh, a couple of things. One was, if you had a magic wand and you can have anything you want, what would you do? And I, I think that means a lot because if you can, you know, and I would always, you know, look, I grew up on, in the swamps of Louisiana. I was born on the bayou, you know, in a small shotgun double house that also served as a doctor's office. You know, that's where I started off in life. I didn't start off in Beverly Hills, California, which is where I ended up. But Joe Dean always taught me about that magic wand. You know, if you could do anything that you, you want to do in your life, what would it be? And once you come up with that, once you make that wish, go make that wish happen because we only get one shot at it. And the other thing he would always tell me is <clears throat> take the garbage out. And that that's the phrase I use in Fitness Confidential. And I explained it in Fitness Confidential and I will explain it here. He said to me, I, I must have been 12 or 13 years old. And he said, Vinny, have you ever opened up a cabinet and saw that the garbage can in your house was full to the top? Yet you wanted to put a can in there. 
have you ever just teetered the can on the top of the full garbage can and just closed the door to make it someone else's problem? And very sheepishly, I said, Mr. Dean, I do that all the time. <laughs> and he said, not anymore. From now on, if you open that, that cabinet and you see that garbage can is full, take the garbage out right now. Just take it out. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Don't, don't look for accolades for doing it. Don't say, hey, mom, aren't I a good son? I took the garbage out. Never mention it. In life, always take the garbage out. Do things not for anyone else's accolades. Do them because it's the right thing to do. And if you do that enough in life, if you take the garbage out enough, you will succeed. And starting that day, not just metaphorically, I went home and opened the cabinet. The garbage can was only half full. I took it out that day, and I took it out every day after that. And I made that part of my life as a 12-year-old kid, right? And Joe's nephew, who I'm still in touch with, a kid named Kerry Guglielmo, who worked for Nike for years. Uh, Kerry left Nike and started his own sports company called AST. AST stands for his kids' names. I should know all of I, I think one is named Ashley, but I can't remember the other two. Uh, maybe Steve and T, I don't know, Terry. Um, but that's not really their names. But Ashley is one of them. And Kerry works the same way. He left Nike after 20 years and started his own company. And the reason he started it was he saw what I was doing on the Internet. And he goes, you know what? You've given me inspiration. I've been taking the garbage out my whole life. You know, I've made enough money at Nike. I can now go off on my own. My, ki you know, my kids are in private school. And AST is doing incredibly already. And Carrie and I talk all the time. It's like having your own mastermind group. Right. And we all learn from a man who taught me and Carrie Guglielmo to take the garbage out when we were young kids. Is Guglielmo a made-up name, yes or no? That's his real name. <laughs> okay. um, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. His dad is uh, a, a, a pretty famous attorney. I actually went out on, his distant, uh, went out on a date with his sister, Nell Guglielmo, um, <laughs> way back when. Yeah. Right. Cool. So I have a, a, a similar quote that I, I've, I, I heard this in a, a jujitsu class like seven years ago or something like that. And one of my professors said it and um, it stuck with me forever. And it's so simple and so easy. Anyway, so is, he said, if, if there's a need, meet the need. You know, it's just like, that's it. You know, so if you see a piece of garbage lying in the street, there's a need to pick that thing up. Meet it. You know, it's, right. it's so, so easy. You know, and, it's, and again, it's all this is practiced techniques. You know, you're literally wiring your nervous system to meet the need or to be a lazy, you know, you, you end up being the trash in the street, essentially. You know, so yeah. it's like in, in our culture, we have the doers and we have the waiters. You know, it's like, I don't mean that in like restaurant waiters. It's just the people that are, it's like they, they, they fail to act. You know, it's like if you see something that needs to get done, just do it. Don't wait for someone, you know, to else to do it. It's like it needs to be done right now. You know, I, I like to think of that similarly with mental trash. You know, if you have garbage in your mind, get rid of that stuff. You know, if you see some horror movie that ends up freaking you out when you're when it's dark and outside or, you know, whatever, it's like that's trash. That's garbage that you have in your brain. You don't need a murder scene flashing through your synapses when you walk outside at night. You just don't need it. You chose, you volunteered to put that image into your mind and now you're reaping the consequences. Now you're dealing with that. You know, so figuring out 
How do we find this balance in every aspect of our life? My niche happens to be movement, you know, and movement coaching and body work and kind of helping people's body function better, you know, and then I end up kind of going off on these tangents all the time, you know, but so my thing is finding balance in your body. You know, you need to have your shoulder girdle balanced front to back. Most people are too wound up in their pec minor and pec major and, you know, all these these anterior muscles. So they end up being unstable in their shoulder girdle, right? You know, there's a need there in the posterior compartment of your shoulder. Meet it now. You know, it's not it's not complicated, you know, but what it is, is it's just practiced techniques. You got to practice, 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 and eventually it becomes easy, you know, so... I appreciate you saying that. That's something I've, I've kind of, I kind of. No, and, and I think, I think the thing that's going to make your show a big deal is the fact that you go off on tangents. You know, that that's what made America's Angriest Trainer right. podcast what it is. You know, people go, "You never stick to anything." Yeah, but we always circle back. Sure. You know, we always cover it. We always come back, but you know, we go off on tangents, and you know, stream of conscious, and uh, you know, that's how you get a lot of people to listen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, people like stories, people like humanness, and that's the thing. And that's one of the things I wanted to mention to you. And like, you attribute attribute this to, to to your life, the things you deal with. I assume cancer is probably a part of this, but you you exude realness. You're a real dude. You know, you you when you get on on air, and you know when you're when you're doing your thing, and you you don't you don't try and go out of your way to come up with, you know, big fancy terms, which sometimes I will, I don't go out of my way for it, you know, but I'll use them, but I really make sure to dumb those things down or simplify them so that people understand what the heck I'm talking about, you know, because people don't give a dang about, you know, mechanoreceptors and nociceptors and like, it's just like, okay, what is, what, what is like, how does that relate to my life right now? How is that going to make me pick up my baby more effectively? You know, and something that I noticed with you, is you 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 know you mean what you say and you say what you mean you know I think that cutting through that fluff is such an important factor and I think again like exactly like you said you know that's like that leads to your success you know so I just wanted to say thanks for doing that and I wanted to before we we, we are getting towards the end there are a few questions that I am curious about sure. um, how do you move what's what's your movement practice look like Meaning physical movement? That one, yeah. Well, <clears throat> interesting. Um, I, I try to stay balanced. You, know, you, you just mentioned balance. Uh, I try to balance aerobics and, and anaerobics. And uh, that's one way that I, you know, I balance my movement. But, you know, as far as let's, let's take a gym workout, yeah. right? Um, you know, bodybuilding and, and this kind of thing, you know, you're right. If you start working your biceps really hard and you don't do anything for your triceps, you're going to cause an imbalance. Right. So if anyone just sits in there and uh, and does leg curls on their their hamstrings and build up the bicep, but they don't build up their quads, if you have to go and run one day uh, to save your life, or if you just decide to go run, you know you're going to have an imbalance, and you're going to probably pull a muscle or strain a tendon or hurt a ligament, or th there will be an imbalance at the very least. That's why I always tell people, spend all of your time doing, you know, compound exercises where you're moving a lot of joints all at once. Right. If you want to build your triceps, working on a bench is a good idea or doing shoulder press is a good idea because now you're working, you know, I won't get into all the small muscles, but you, the greater muscles, you're working your pecs, you're working your deltoids, you're working your trapezoids, and you're also working your triceps. 
The same with your biceps. Instead of sitting there and do dummy curls all day, you know, just do rowing and do lat pulls and do high pulls and do other things that cause you to contract that muscle and build a bunch of muscles all at once. And if you do that, you can keep a balanced body. Um, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, you'll see people in the gym. And, and, I, and I think because of CrossFit, more people are doing exercises you never saw 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, you, you'll see women doing deadlifts and power cleans and really, you know, cool exercises now. Whereas before, they were relegated to, you know, hand weights or something. So there is a shift to doing those type of exercises. Awesome. Yeah, and I think all for, for all my listeners, I, I, I talk about this a lot of the importance of compound movement. And, you know, I have a great appreciation for CrossFit for that, that they are bringing it to the mainstream to start doing compound movements. You know, the one thing that where I think that there is a degree of limitation with that is we get kind of we can get trapped in deadlift. We can get trapped in squat. We can get trapped in press. That still is just one range of motion, 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 right? So that's that's still only one range of motion. Okay. You know, so thinking once, once you develop that, 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 that functionality, great. I can pick 300 pounds straight up off the ground and I know I am not going to hurt my back. Great. I can pick 500 pounds and not move it at all. And no, I'm not going to hurt my back. Everyone should be at that point where you can push as hard as you possibly can and know that you're safe because you've stacked up your blocks. Where I'd, I'd like to kind of push people from there is start getting people into dynamic movement, right? Start dancing with each other. Start having weird sex. Start, doing, start expressing yourself in fantastic human fluid ways. So just a little add on with that. Okay, wait, hang on. Serena, weird sex. Okay, got it. Got yeah. it. Yep. And uh, so, but we, we're, we're, we got maybe, what, maybe a couple minutes left or so. I'm curious. So you work in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Hollywood, I, I'm like on the opposite end of the spectrum of that, where I live in Bend, Oregon, where it's like people drive Subarus and like eat organic trail mix and climb mountains. You know, yeah. it's very, it's like, I love Bend by the way. It's great. Oh, time. Cool. Yeah. It's like freakishly normal, Bend. <laughs> I wouldn't call you guys normal, well, yeah, well, but, but okay. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a bubble though, you know, as is Hollywood, but Hollywood's a very different type of bubble. So I'm yeah. curious, you know, when the, the clients that you see, do you have obviously not naming names cause that's, that's illegal, but do you have any ridiculous stories like Hollywood training experiences where you're like training somebody's dead puppy or something ridiculous like that? Uh, yes, I, story. I, I have a lot of them and he, <laughs> yeah. I, I know you want me to tell one, but let's, I'll, I'll, I'll do it this way. I'll tell you this. All right. When I wrote Fitness Confidential, you know, one of the things that most of the book companies wanted me to do, and they would have offered me literally an extra six-figure income on top of what they were trying to offer me to begin with, um, they wanted me to name names and tell those stories. And I said, you know, as much as I like some of these people and hate others, in this whole group of people I have to deal with, they didn't hire me to screw them over. Right. And I'm not going, you know, I, I, I refused to do it then. And then um, we put the book out in the book, but, you know, Dean and I self-published it and it became a, a smash hit. As a matter of fact, it was up for Audible Book of the Year. And, you know, the book still, it's almost two years down the road, the book still sells like hotcakes without putting one of those stories in. We kind of allude to a couple of things, but nothing really. Well, the cool part about that 
is that Sony Television came in and bought the option of Fitness Confidential, but they don't want, they're doing a scripted show, you know, like Breaking Bad or something out of Fitness Confidential, right? But what they're doing is they're changing, uh, instead of just kind of mulling around it, you know, the writer, my, my writing partner, Dean Laurie, he's actually sitting down with me to get all the crazy stories from all the years, and they're going to work that into the script. So a lot of the stories you will see, if that ever comes to television, because it's always a long thing to get those things to television, right. is you will see actual stories within the script. So we're going to do it that way, without naming names. It won't be like, you know, uh, I don't know, Justin Bieber, you know, did this, and Vinny was there at the time. Did you just like, leave us with a cliffhanger? Is that, <laughs> did no, that just I, I've never met. I've never met Justin Bieber. He's not a client. <laughs> All right. Cool, man. Well, so yeah, we are officially about out of time. Um, I want people to be able to connect with you, obviously. So you have your <laughs> vitamin company, Pure Vitamin Club, and you have the book and you have the website and the blog and the podcast and so much great yeah. stuff. How do people find this? Well, the easiest place to go is to vinnytorteries.com. V-I-N-N-I-E, T as in Tom, O-R, T again, O-R-I-C-H dot com and you'll see the pure vitamin club banner there and everything or you can go right to purevitaminclub.com it's kind of the coolest thing on earth <laughs> where we made the world's best vitamin at the world's cheapest price so you get an actual pure 100% 1000% pure product that I oversee and it ships to your doors kind of like um, think of it as dollar shave club for vitamins uh, 10 bucks a month, it ships right to your door. If you buy the three month supply, including shipping, it comes to under 10 bucks a month, awesome. including shipping. And we're giving you a better vitamin than you could get at GNC or Whole Foods or anywhere that might cost you 50 or 60 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. And I barely make any money on this, but uh, I was true to my word that I would put out the world's best vitamin at the world's cheapest price. And I was able to stick to it. And I'm very proud of it. Awesome, man. And then one final question that I ask everybody is um, if you could go back to a prior version or a previous version of yourself and give yourself some words of wisdom, what would that be? And you are not able to say, I wouldn't change anything, you know, whatever. It's my mistakes or, you know, of course, they all develop you. But what, what kind of advice would you give yourself? If I can go back to, let's say, 1990 five Vinny. I would say Vin in 2015. Hmm, what would I say? <laughs> oh, I know what I would say. In 2015, Angelina Jolie will not have boobs, but <laughs> Bruce Jenner will. That's deep. That's what I would do. That's, that's deep. <laughs> yeah. All right, because who would have believed that come on 20 no, years ago who would have believed that that's impressive cool man well it's, it's a pleasure to talk to you if you make it up to bend we're climbing if i come down to la i'll, I'll hit you up dude let me know all that's right. really cool cool all right thanks for coming on thanks man see ya 
Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work, how, work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist and massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Movement Medicine.